Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. In the fall each year we all congregate The bath dog gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of months in Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what children face Ain't nothing finer in the lane Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday and last thing Welcome to the Blog the Dogs podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley, here as always with my co-host, Boss Dog. Boss, bark at the people. Welcome back, everyone. It's been only, I think, nine days since we recorded an episode, and holy hellfire, the college football world has been a storm with news, cancellations, schedules, and there's just so much to dive into, so we're just going to jump right in. Holy hellfire is right. I mean... Like nine days, no chance. Uh, we we taped the last podcast on a Friday night, almost directly after um, it had the two new opponents have been released for the dogs. So Arkansas and Mississippi State get announced. So and that's eleven days. I mean, I'm it, bad. eleven days. It's only okay, eleven. Eleven days. <laughs> even still, so I mean, let's be honest, folks. They're all running together nowadays. I mean, let's not let's not trip on that. But yeah. Boss starts texting me on Saturday, like you've seen all this news with what's possibly going to happen. And there was talk on that Saturday that all of college football might be canceled. And I mean, geez, a loo. So, I mean, first off, it didn't happen. Thank goodness. Um, Big 10 and Pac-12 throw in the towel. We'll get to that later just because I'll be honest with you. I care less about that than the subject matter that I want to talk about because I I don't want to talk about the negative stuff right now. I just don't, brother. I want to talk about the positive stuff. We're going to go positive vibes only right now. How do you feel about that? You good on that? I'm good on that. All right. Yeah. So let's stick with that. I mean, let's just, let's just go with, with what happened last night, which was the full schedule announced for the SEC. So 10 game schedule announced for the SEC, all SEC conference games. And uh, they had announced the first game at like three o'clock. So a little, little taste there at three o'clock, like that little tasty appetizer on the Paul Feinbaum show. I was jacked up about that. It was like getting some jalapeno poppers before you get the main meal. I mean, everybody loves a little jalapeno popper, right? So that was great. And uh, then seven o'clock, they start rolling it out week by week. I thought the SEC network did a nice job doing it week by week instead of team by team. Uh, Cause you kind of got to see, all right, this is what the week's going to look like. You start trying to figure out, you know, who the noon kicks going to be who's going to play 330 all that type stuff thought that was great um let's let's just start week one we texted when three o'clock game drops that they're getting pig suey to open it uh well for what were you i mean what were your thoughts when you saw that that's where they're you know going to pop the season off in Fayetteville I mean it's I feel bad for Sam Pittman. I mean, just the schedule the whole way around for Pittman. Just you know, I I, I like Sam. I mean, he was great for the dogs. Um, and I mean, I'm happy that he's got he's got a shot at being a head coaching job, even though it really is the twilight of his career. But I mean, he's gonna have a rough season. I mean, if if they 
if they win more than one, I'll be shocked. Um, but I mean, I think it's a great start for the dogs. Um, great way to start. I mean, I'd rather start at home, but I mean, really in this, in this season is, is there really going to be an away game? I mean, let's be honest. Is, is, it doesn't really matter. It's other than the travel, there's really not going to be, you know, an away atmosphere. So it, other than travel, it really doesn't matter. But I mean, the week one slate just, ugh. I mean, it's football, so I'm not going to complain about it, but I mean, there's not like a matchup that I'm like, Ooh, that excites me. Other than, you know, the fact that it's the dogs and I want to see the dogs play. So, but (laughs) getting Arkansas week one is is great because the setup after that, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a rough stretch. Well, so boss and I talked off air about, we were kind of scrolling Twitter when everything came out and somebody tweeted. And then, I don't know, a couple of guys we followed retweeted that. uh, What did they say? Something like, how did the SEC manage to put together an entire slate of Jefferson Pilot sports games? Uh, Which is just on the scale of tweets about as a plus of a tweet as you can get i mean laugh out yeah. loud funny that, that is just an excellent excellent tweet and then i heard somebody else being like quasi serious about it say i think the sec was cognizant of the fact that everybody including fans outside of the sec is just going to be so starved for football that it doesn't matter who's playing who that everybody's going to tune They're in right. i mean that opening weekend the ratings are going to be insane absolutely Burn insane yeah it's gonna be nuts um so yeah, I was with you. I mean, nonplussed about it one way or the other. I do find it interesting that opening week of the season, uh, navigating all the pandemic stuff, I think the dogs have the longest road trip they have all year to open it all up. So I'll be I'll be kind of have a keen eye on what happens with that, how much is reported about um, what the travel arrangements will be this year. I mean, I don't I don't reckon much will change, right? They usually charter a flight and go straight there, hop on a bus and go to their hotel. So uh, functionally, I, I don't I don't guess much is going to change or anything like that. So um, that'll be interesting. Also, uh, I had, have heard some scuttlebutt that they may put some limitations in place on what the travel rosters will be. So I guess that's going to be a to be determined. We'll see on that. Um, so yeah, uh, it's week one. Uh, again, I would watch them play um, our old high school. It wouldn't bother me. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> and I, I'd be right there for it. So let's get into what you kind of alluded to, which was the three games after that, which I think is the meat of their schedule. And obviously going to gonna get Florida, that November 7th tilt down in Jacksonville. We'll, we'll get to that later. But, you know, first home game of the year, second week of the season, War Eagle coming to town. I mean, homie, that's a big-time matchup week two. Um that, that's a huge, huge matchup. matchup. I think the the I think probably the most I, I don't know if interesting is the right word or, or the most enticing storyline of that week is going to be you know Bo Nix coming back year two against that Georgia defense who I think a lot are estimating is going to be one of the best if not the best in the country and then Georgia's first home game with who we are all assuming is going to be Jamie Newman behind center. Right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Auburn's whole season, the storylines can be Bo Nix in year two. And, and if I remember correctly, isn't, isn't Gus handing over the play calling duties this year? Didn't, didn't, didn't they hire some new offensive coordinator? That's correct. I, I, I can't remember who, it, who it was. Uh, well, it's, it, they brought back Chad Morris, didn't they? Isn't it Chad Morris? 
They bring yeah, back that's Chad right. Moore. That's right. That's right. Chad yeah. Moore. Yeah. 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 Okay. Which makes sense. I mean, and I think that that'll help his development. I mean, Auburn's not a pushover. They're never a pushover. It's, I mean, this is, it's going to be a dogfight week too. Um, but I mean, let's, let's be honest. Auburn's strength for the past four years has been that defense. And Kevin Seal is a hell of a defensive coordinator, but they lost a ton. And their recruiting has been good and it's been top 10 every year, sometimes top five, but it's not Bama, Georgia good the last three years, three, four years. And it's not been on that scale. Even we talked about this in previous podcasts when we talk about recruiting a lot, you know, there's a big difference, you know, even in the top three, you know, it's all about the points, you know, when there's a big 500 to 700 point difference, once you get there, you know, in that three to four, once you get to three and then number four, so, and then on down. So that, I mean, yeah, you may be in the top five still in, in national rating ranking, but there's a big gap there still. So, I mean, they're going to be talented, but they're very young up front, which is really the exact opposite of how, Georgia is on defense. So, I mean, I think it's really going to be a dolphin. I mean, it's really going to be, you know, our offense versus our new offense versus their new defense and our seasoned defense versus their seasoned offense. It's going to be strength versus strength. And I guess if you want to say weakness versus it's weakness, it's really going to be old versus old, new versus new is kind of how it's going to be for them. For, uh, for uh, them. I guess my big point with them or, or what I looked at when I saw that is a, that offense didn't scare me last year. And, has it fundamentally changed from last season? I mean, who who are you looking at on that offense going, oh, boy, he scares me? I mean, look, Bo Nix had a just fine freshman year, especially for a true freshman in the SEC. Okay, I'm not I'm not trying to negate that. I'm just saying what they put up 14 points against us last year, right? And that was on the planes. So um, who, who, who have they added that's supposed to make me nervous that they're going to come in between the hedges and do anything else? I just – I don't know, man. That, that doesn't scare me. And they have to replace their entire offensive yeah. line. It's place their entire offensive line. That's yeah. Not I just plus man, I just feel like Kirby owns Gus, so I don't care who's calling plays. I just think that's going to be a beatdown. Um, I mean, look, it's a big game, right? It's Deep South's oldest rivalry. It's the earliest the game has been played since I believe the inaugural game in the history of the series, which you're going back to. Uh, I'm going to mess the date up on this, but I think 1892. So that'll be a different dynamic, right? That'll be, um, it'll be early fall um when they play yeah. that's going to be different i mean it's slotted into essentially what we're used to the tennessee week being so that that'll be that'll be what it is i mean but again i i think that's a marquee matchup week one or week two i can't remember who else is on the docket week two but that seems like the 330 game to me don't you think i mean i that, that's what i would think is that's gonna be the cbs 330 kick other than Bama A and M, I mean, it's one of them's gonna be three thirty. One of them's gonna be the seven p.m. ESPN game. Yeah, it's those two. Those are really the only two. Yeah, so that that'll uh, I think that'll kind of get things get things rolling. Hopefully, they come out of Arkansas, you know, no injuries, and then obviously, hopefully, hopefully, you come out of the first road trip, no COVID, right? I think that's the other thing you're going to be watching on this is is what the instances of that are once you start moving them outside of that campus bubble. Well, before we get get going on that, I mean, we're going to know pretty quickly, you know, I mean, let's be honest, we've got another month before, uh, five weeks before the season starts, you know, classes are starting now. Yep. So there's, I mean, you saw UNC this week's already gone virtual only. 
there's a good chance that some of these schools, if there's a spike in cases, are going to go virtual only. And these campuses are going to be their own little bubbles. I'm not saying every school is, but it's a possibility that a bunch of these schools are going to start doing that if these kids can't. I mean, let's be honest, they're kids, they're 18 to 22 year olds. They're going to go party. They're going to go downtown. That's just what they're going to do. I mean, we did it when we were that age, you know, that's just who they are. I mean, it, if there's a spike in cases, don't be surprised if these campuses start shutting down and go virtual only. And then these campuses be, and the student athletes stay on and these campuses become their own little bubbles themselves. Yeah. Great, great point. I got two follow-up points on that. First one is, um, you know, I know all the pictures on Twitter went viral of the kids out in Tuscaloosa I think the Alabama AD came out and made a comment. Who wants football this fall? These people don't. And look, man, I mean, say what you want. I'm just telling y'all, be real, right? We got 18 to 22 year old kids. Most of the kids that are out are probably kids that just got to campus. They're so fired up to be at college, out of the parents' nests. They want to go have that college experience, right? Like uh, you're all being sanctimonious and unrealistic. If you're saying when you were 18, you would have been masked up in your dorm and not wanting to live that college life. I'm just sorry. Like I, I'm not going to apologize for feeling that way. Like give these kids a little bit of grace on that. Like, you know, uh, you're asking a lot of these 18 year old kids, you're telling them to not be kids and to not be these, ex- these young adults that are excited to get on a college campus. So let's give those kids a little grace. I think I just feel like the the narrative, the narrative on that has been kind of negative. And, um, you know, I just don't like that, man, when adults get all caught up in their feelings and they try to throw shade on kids like that. So that's point one. Point two to your, to your point about the bubble Dude, wasn't it last year that the media and Twitter get all up in arms because they asked Justin Fields how he likes Columbus and Ohio State? And he's like, I don't know, man. I go to the football facility and I go back to my apartment. All my classes are online. And there's all these articles about, oh, college football uh, players aren't real student athletes, blah, blah, blah. They're not part of the campus. Well, I mean, if that's available for the kids, this seems like the year to do it, right? Like – just let the kids go online or or let the football players take classes, you know, in, in a silo, however you want to do it, you know, whether it be virtual or whether you have them doing it virtual from the football facility. And again, I know that comes back to the argument of, well, they're not student athletes like everyone else. Guess what, people? They're not. They're not. <laughs> Sorry. So, as soon as we just as soon as we just acknowledge that and move on, I think everybody be happy. Yeah. Okay, let's stop playing this fantasy land game like, uh, you know, they're Frankie freshman going to the seminar biology class. Like, I mean, get over yourself. All right. So, Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I'm, I'll fine. step down on the soapbox. soapbox now. Uh, we'll get there yeah, later. Yeah. So we'll get Tennessee the game. Um, yeah, we'll get, we'll, we'll get there. Sorry. It fired me up a little bit. Um, yeah. Tennessee game. Uh, we talked about this a little bit off air again. I think it's meaningful because it's Tennessee, right? I mean, it is the, it's a, it's a huge rivalry. For, for Georgia. I think there's, there's a lot of great history there. I mean, obviously you get the hobnail boot game. So, so many great things. I won't mention the the reverse of that game. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk about that one anymore. So uh, t- t- kind of what we talked about off air. I, I, I don't know who they're going to be. I, I just, I don't know who Tennessee's going to be. I know everybody kind of got on their train cause they got hot at the end of the year and won some games. But I think you look at their strength of schedule. They had a really tough front-loaded schedule last year. They lost to the folks they probably should have lost to, and they beat the folks I think they should have beaten. So um, 
I, I don't, again, from an offensive standpoint, who, who are we supposed to be scared of on that offense? Who are you supposed to go? Oh boy. I'm, I'm worried about them. The only thing that the Tennessee has, um, they have a very good offensive line. They have a very good, they have very good tackles. Um, and we have struggled mightily in the pass rush the past couple of years. And we kind of, but that's, some by design, some not by design, but it's it, – this isn't the – I think this isn't the type of team that, you know, with Jared Guarantano, a quarterback, that's going to be – we're really going to feel like, oh, let's, you know, pin the ears back and go after him either. So – but this is – I think he's a redshirt junior, redshirt senior at this point. It feels like he's been around forever. So um, he's got to be getting close to graduating. So I Tennessee, it's just I don't I don't know what to make of them. I they have a good offensive line, even with May's waiver um, getting denied, which that's a whole other story. I don't even want to. That's a story for another day. So, um, but I, I just I don't know what to make of Tennessee. Tennessee doesn't scare me, but I don't feel like overly confident about it either. That's a game that it's like I feel more confident about playing Auburn than I do about playing Tennessee. I, I don't know why. It's just. It's a, they're just such a weird team. And when we're playing them third week of the season, after just playing probably one of the more physical games that we're going to have during the year, eh, it's just, you know, a huge emotional game against Auburn. Then you come back the very next week, get Tennessee. That's, that's a weird dynamic as well. Usually we're playing an FCS team leading into the week of Tennessee. Well, look, the compelling part about the first few weeks of the season are going to be, who is ready early, right? I mean, I think to your point, normally you kind of have a few quote unquote scrimmages where you play teams, everybody and their mama knows you're going to beat and you're kind of getting more game reps until you get into the meat of your conference schedule. And that luxury is obviously not going to be afforded to anybody this year. I mean, it's right into the meat grinder from Jump Street. And so, you know, we've talked about this often on this podcast. I am a firm believer that College football teams are a living, breathing organism. So they evolve as the year goes on. So who's going to be ready to be hot out the gate uh, right when things start? And so I think that's what gives you a little trepidation about those first few weeks. It's maybe less about the opponents themselves and more about who who is Georgia going to be week one, week two, week three. Um, I think we're all pretty confident in who we think they're going to be by week seven, week eight. But look, man, you're coming off no spring ball, super untraditional kind of calendar for these kids. I mean, I think athletes are creatures of habit. They work in, you know, the ebbs and flows of their schedule. And this has just been so erratic. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see where, where that goes. Um, Yeah. And then after Tennessee, we lead right into the big one, right, brother? I mean, you go, you go October, you go October seventeen, and Bryant Denny, Roll Tide, Go Dogs. I mean, lighten it up. I'd have to imagine if CBS is still getting the opportunity to option a game. I mean, wouldn't you figure that's going to be eight o'clock kick on CBS? That would seem the week to do a doubleheader, wouldn't you think? Yeah, unless for some reason they decide that in LSU Florida that week too. Uh, yeah, LSU Florida's that week. I mean, that would be the perfect week to do the doubleheader. I feel like they set it up that way. 
Yeah, that is a, that's a monster week. I mean, a monster week. Um, also, on that point, before we talk about the game itself, I uh, saw an article today that dropped, uh, well, two things. CBS Sports released an article saying that the SEC was leaving attendance measures to each individual institution. So they will abide by the state where their university sits, um, those regulations and outside of those regulations, they uh, can be guided by the CDC guidelines, which essentially was, it sounded like the SEC just saying, this is not going to be our problem. Y'all figured this out. Uh, so to that point, uh, there was an article today, Alabama announced that Bryant Denny would be 20% capacity to start the season. So there will be fans if, if nothing changes between now and then, which obviously it, it's prone to do that. But if nothing changes, they'll have 20% capacity there. Um, so what? Brian Denny seats 100,000 people. I ain't a smart man, but I can do that math. That's like 20,000 people. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's better than nothing, right? Uh, that'll at least give a little bit of little bit of noise and I think some atmosphere. Also noted in the article, there will be no tailgating, and this was, I think, the unique phrasing of it, on University of Alabama's campus. <laughs> it didn't just say no tailgating, hard stop. No tailgating on University of Alabama's campus, which I thought to our conversation last week left open the possibility for gatherings in other places like the Tuscaloosa Baptist Church. So, yeah, I, I, I have not seen any subsequent announcement from the city of Tuscaloosa or town of Tuscaloosa, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, so that, that will be interesting. I've not seen a formal announcement from Georgia yet, although I did see some rumors on Twitter that Georgia would also go 20%, and then there was a little bit of detail about who would get the tickets. So let's take a little sidebar from the schedule. Let's talk about tickets, okay? Here's my question. Secondary ticket market's massive in a normal season, right? I'll give you an example. Before all this was announced, was pricing tickets for the Alabama game on StubHub, you know, uh, all the different secondary ticket markets. And homie, just to get in the house, right? It's 300 a pop before the ticket fees. So you're looking like 385, 390 all in after the ticket fees. Now that was when they were going to seat 100,000, okay? So a couple questions. 20,000 people. And my reading of the Alabama article was they will roll everything through the Tide Club. So if you're a donor... That's kind of the levels they're going to go about allocating the tickets. So you got to figure students, parents, donors, and let's be real, the big money donors are first, okay? It's just the way the world works, homie. So us us regular folk, we, we ain't the <laughs> we first in it. line, okay? No, <laughs> that ain't us, all right? Um, so my question becomes, though, you're one of the folks that gets your hands on tickets due to your donation level. You don't want to go to the game because you're not comfortable. That's cool. You turn around, sell it on the secondary ticket market. Two questions. One, all tickets are virtual. Are those tickets going to be tied to that donor account with the virtual entry? Or like, how does that function? Maybe that's a problem that they've already figured out with virtual ticketing. I don't know. That's my first question. Second question is, um, how high do you think the tickets will go in the secondary market, brother? That is well, going to be limited supply. And I think yeah. some demand, right? A sum. <laughs> The first question, I think, I think that's, I don't think they can attach it to a, a, a donor account because, I mean, a lot of tickets now are virtual. Um, it's just the way the world works. I mean, 
you know, before, before COVID, a lot of tickets were virtual concert tickets, tickets. I mean, hell our tickets, when we went to Vanderbilt, they were virtual. Um, so which I, I hate, that, by the way, I, yeah, I hate yeah, virtual tickets. I, I, I completely agree. So, but I think that that's just, I, so I don't think they can attach that to an account. If they do that, I think the odds of them getting 20,000 in the stands are still good, but that they're going to really aggravate a lot of people. Not the way the Nittany Lion Club did, but they're still going to aggravate a lot of people. Secondary market, man, I don't know. I think we're looking 250% SEC championship tickets, give or take, for this particular game. This yeah. I'm talking about this game. I'm not talking about the season. This game, yeah. Um, I, I'd say probably twenty five hundred get in the door easy. I mean, with that limited yeah. amount, and I, I may be low. Uh, it's gonna be. It, it's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be one of the things I'm gonna have an eye on as like a little kind of under under the radar type story for this college football season is tickets. Because yeah. I saw an article maybe, I don't know, 10 days ago. It did this right before the first, the the extra two opponents were announced. And it was all about the secondary ticket markets and about how they have no volume and like their business, they, they don't have anything to sell. Right. Yeah. And people are yanking everything off because nobody knows if the tickets are going to be good. So, I mean, dude, it's, it's the market, right? So you get x amount of tickets and you've got y amount of interest dude it's gonna be it, it could get real big real big and see i don't think that how many times another interesting part of this is how many times are those tickets going to change hands yeah that's, that's a good another point. thing it's like you know y x person may buy the ticket at $2,200 may then may flip it for 3,500 then you know depending on you know may do this this week once they get their hands on the ticket, then let's say both the teams are three and zero going into that game, which everyone probably expects. They find out it's an eight o'clock kick, then the the you know demand is now four thousand or whatever it is, you know. So it's just who knows what the game day the it, it, that that price could fluctuate so much between today and game day, which happens for every game. But this particular game, I think, no matter what, is just going to be astronomical. Yeah. Uh, that that is going to be something to watch. I think throughout the year, is you know the, the ticket desire versus uh, the ticket allocations, right? And I think the other piece of that, which we talked about last week, and I, I just think it's a big story, is let's see what the environment is like outside these stadiums. Um, you have got people that their yearly rhythm is going to these ball games, and I'll give you a somewhat parallel. I think, homie, you, you seen any pictures from the beach this summer? I mean, brother, pe- people ain't stopped going to the beach. Like, they got family vacations they go to at the beach, and, and they're at the beach. I mean, the beaches are popping. And that's up and down the eastern seaboard, okay? Well, for a lot of people in the south, going to football ain't no different. Like, that's something you kind of set your set your watch to. And yeah. I, I just I, – I'm looking at it, man. I, I'm telling you, I, I'm, I am – I'm waiting to see what happens that opening week. Um and it'll be interesting if any of the the different towns come out where, you know, like the mayors the, or the governments come out and say, look, don't y'all come here. And again, like we talked about, I just, how do you police it, right? Are they going to have to put barricades up on the on the rural routes getting into these towns? I just, I don't know what they're going to yeah, do. But 
okay, the people who run these towns are they okay? Let's take Athens for example. Athens yep. is a college town. Yep. You mean to tell me the people that run Athens, college football like sustains Athens for the year? You mm-hmm. mean to tell me that financially? You mean to tell me that the people who run that town are going to be run the city are going to be like, nope, you guys stay you you know uh, Tennessee fans stay away, even though you're not going to going to game. You know, like you said, like we talked about last week, people come to these games whether they're going to go to the <laughs> game or not to be part of it. It's just you mean to tell me they're going to say no, stay away, don't come eat at our restaurants, don't come drink our beer, don't come don't come put money in our struggling economy. I, yeah, I don't. I don't buy it. I mean, cities like Vanderbilt with Nashville. I mean, that may not be as bigger cities that may not be struggling as much. Maybe. Yep. But I mean, smaller, smaller college towns. No, I, I don't. I don't buy it. I don't. I, I think that you, they're going to be just as busy as they were. And I mean, I, and if they're not, they're going to. Then there's a whole other problem for those cities. So most most towns have already lost two or three home dates just by the necessity of the schedule. Yeah. So you're looking at two to three weekends where they're already taking a bump on what the revenue would be. And then obviously, you know, you're taking a bump because you're not expecting that many people to be in town. But I'm with you, man. I think if you're on the Chamber of Commerce in the city of Athens, you're going, hey, guys, our our constituents, our business owners – they need this. Like they'll set up tents. They'll do what y'all need them to do to keep things within the protocols. But like they need people to come eat and drink. And I mean, look, I know they've got the caps on closing time and all that right now, which great. Do what we have to do to keep this thing rolling. But Hey, people still want to eat food and drink before 1030. So yeah, I think if I was a business owner in Athens, I'd be saying, Hey guys, let them come. They can park in my place. You know, like I, I need the business. I want people to come eat a cheeseburger at my place and they can have some beers too. So, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I, I just think those college towns, I, the economic impact of not having home football weekends there, something that not talked about a ton. And I'm not, I'm not talking about the big engines, okay? I'm not talking about, like, ticket revenue. I'm talking about the guy that owns, you know, the bar on Main Street in College Town, USA. The pizza, yeah, man, they need it. And, and I get that. So I think those are real concerns. And so that'll be a, a – I think a really compelling dynamic as things go on. So, all right, now, Tide, Dogs, what's your feelings on that? Where are you at on that? I think we're going to be able to move the the ball on their defense. Um, if our, I mean, by week three, by week four, we're going to know what our offense is. Yep. You know, we're going to know what our offense is. So, and if our offense is what we think it's going to be, I think we'll be able to move the ball on their defense. It's going to come down to, in my opinion, I mean, Harris coming back was a big surprise to me. I'm going to admit that. And I'm not really sure why he did come back, honestly. He must have not gotten a very good draft grade. But him, I, they're running – well, let me phrase this. If Mac Jones is the quarterback, their running game does not scare me as much. If Bryce Young is one that has taken over by that point – their running game is going to be much more dynamic because he's much he's much better with his you know he's got he has that extra d- dynamic with his legs in the um in the quarterback man those two receivers though scare the hell out of me still uh, yeah you know Smith gives me nightmares at least once every six months still to the you know never going to forget that so um it's just that's that's just how it is so 
it, it's going to come down to, in my opinion, the game is going to come down to our secondary versus those those receivers. Yeah, I, I'm on board with a lot of that. I think one of the things I took away from the way the schedule set up and the pushback of the start date to 926 is, and this is obviously selfishly from a dog's perspective, Dom gets what? Seven, seven more weeks to heal before they play Alabama. So I don't think his injury gets talked about enough as like a uh, a portion of the season that could be really pivotal is him being healthy because he had really, really come on and was having a very good SEC championship game before he gets hurt. And obviously George got one of the best in the biz, if not the best in the biz in Mr. Ron running the sports medicine. So um, you got to feel good about where Dom's going to be. But I just think any type of injury, especially a knee and especially an ACL, getting us almost two extra months to get ready to roll. And Kirby did say in the initial press conference before fall camp that he's he's just doing straight line stuff now, um, which seems in line with what Zeus's timeline was after his first one. So, you know, I, I think that's the tough one, right? Is really, even with as good as they are with it now, don't you think it's still a two-year injury? I mean, yeah. It's eighteen months to two years before he'll be back to back to full back to full. But I mean, even you, we we get him back at he realistically is he's not he's a, he's our he's our slot. So and Arian Smith, who we the new recruit from Florida, was coming in to basically fill that void. Has a broken hand, I believe, and had surgery on that. Yeah. So he's missing fall camp. And, you know, the little dings here and there that just happen, you know. Um, So, you know, the slot is if Dom isn't back at 100%, which, I mean, I don't think he's going to be at the beginning of the season, is wide open at this point. Really, George is one. He's locked in at one. Two? Who's two? I think here. I think I, I think Harris is gonna be number two. I, so I just I could, I, feel, I could see Harris sliding into sliding into the slot and then putting a bigger body outside. Well, they could do that. I, I guess my point is, Harris is gonna play. Um, oh, yeah, he's gonna play. And he's gonna I, play. I don't just I don't just say that from like an on field perspective. From the articles that have been put out and some of the sound bites from Kirby, I think Harris has taken kind of a vocal spot within the leadership council and. I know that that's meaningful for Kirby. And I mean, I just remember all through 17, how much Seth Emerson talked about how the leadership buoyed that team. And so I look to stuff like that. I think Kiaris is going to be in that group. And so in turn, I think he's going to play to your point. Yes. I think he's a good fit in that slot. You know, he can wiggle a little bit and, um, I think it's good. And there are big bodies to put outside, uh, whether it be one of the guys coming in or, Hey man, maybe Matt Landers takes a jump. Um, big body uh, there, there's some guys that, that could take a step and well, I mean, let's, we'll not, have- let's not forget last year i mean it, it seemed like there were every game there were seven six to eight wide receivers rotating constantly yeah. so i yep. expect to see the same thing this year i don't expect to see it being you know where we play three to four like i just george is not built that way and, you know, same thing with the running backs. Like, I expect to see, you know, three to four play every game. How about uh, how about Coach Munkin getting a little bit creative and flexing James Cook out? I mean, how do you feel about that? I, I would like to see him get utilized a little bit more creatively. And look, if 
if they don't feel like Kiaris is a good fit in the slot or they don't feel like Dom's ready yet, hey, man, pop James out there on a motion and get him in some space. Let him run some options or, or whatever, you know, just get him in uh, some space and get that kid to football. You and I have talked about this off air. I, I can't tell you how many times I had been pining for James Cook to fill the Sony Michelle role from Sony's freshman and sophomore year to be screen slot, just get him in space, you know, yep. get him the ball in space, the bubble screens, um, wide receiver screens, slants. Like I, I the play that sticks out of my mind, I think it was 14 and against South Carolina where I think it was Hudson hit him on a slant, like a little seven yard slant. And Sony just blew past everybody in, in like the, that, the game when like the lightning storm hit beforehand or whatever. But I just remember like that and thinking like, that's when I knew Sony was, that, that was the play. I was like, Oh my God, Sony's going to be a star. And I just, he just blew past everybody. And like, I, I James Cook has those attributes He's not quite as big as Sony. Like he's not as tall. Like he doesn't look, he doesn't look as tall. He probably is. He just doesn't look it when he's on the field, but they just, I don't know what it is. I, I, I hope that Munkin does. It just seems like Coley didn't use him as much and he just never was utilized last year at all. It just, I don't know the whole offense last year. And that's, we've talked about that before. just always seemed like it was stuck in neutral. Like every once in a while they yeah. get to like first, maybe second. I never really felt like they got it ever past that. Yeah, I'm hoping, man, it's his third year, right? So I, you hope he takes a jump, not just physically, but I think mentally the game starts to slow down for those guys once they got a couple years in the program. And he's obviously played enough snaps where he's going to see some stuff. And, and I think he's the type of player where the quieter his mind is, the better, because he's just got so many physical attributes and physical skills that if they can just let him play, right, and kind of not have him thinking about, oh, man, am I in the right spot? Or is this where I'm supposed to be? And I think part of that is they got to get him in the flow. I mean, I think the more yeah. you're you're within the game, the less you're thinking. So that'll that'll be something to look look to and see what his role is. And I mean, they talk about him a lot, right? So they know what they've got something special. I think they're just maneuvering um, how to get him. So obviously, oh. that's a primetime game and and a possible preview of SEC title game. Um, it'll be a little bit different dynamic because there won't be a full Bryant-Denny, although Kirby, they had asked Kirby about it, and he said, oh, uh, yeah, th- they'll pump noise in there. They'll, they'll figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought that hey, was funny. Hey, going back to the wide receivers real quick because he always seems to be like the forgotten guy. D-Rob. Neither one of us brought up D-Rob. I, well, hey, great point. Horrible <laughs> omission on my part. That's a horrible omission. I will Over. say, yeah, I – he is one. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, this is I mean, last kind of, shot. He's, kind of he's speaks to him, right? He's, he's a, a forgotten he's a guy. Retro, I think he's a retro senior. Yeah, and I think he feels that a little bit. Like, there have been some little tidbits and stories about him from the offseason about how he's working. And I I just don't get the feeling he's been healthy yet. I, don't you? I mean, he's got all the little skills. Mix. Yeah. yeah I, and, I, and I think when you're a guy like him that trades on your speed and your quickness, the Knicks – take that away and he yeah. needs that and so i really really hope this is a fully healthy year for him um georgia kids so i i just I, I really hope he does well and has a big year yeah that's a that's a great name drop um big big omission not not putting him in the conversation but yes i think he could be one of those names where nobody talks about him and he comes out and has a monster year uh depending how things flow with the offense so yeah that's that's a really really good point um all right so they play bama next week they go to Lexington, and I think Greg McElroy said it. That is a 
circle it and surround it in bright flashing lights trap game for Georgia. (laughs) Which made me laugh Um, because that's probably, that's probably a good way to tab it. Um, I just, man, I, the trap game thing I think is such this, um, this decade prior to Kirby Georgia fan creation. Like, I just don't feel like there's been a quote unquote trap game in Kirby's tenure. Maybe you point to South Carolina and say, Oh, that was a trap game. But look, man, we've talked about this. That was just a perfect storm. Like so many bad things had to happen and they all happened in the same game for South Carolina to have a shot in that game. So uh, I'm not even going to count that one. Maybe I'm being an apologist, but whatever at me. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, uh, again, Kentucky's tough and I know people love Kentucky I think because a lot of the people in the media love coach Stoops and I think everybody around college football loves and respects what he's done in Lexington because look man anytime you have some success and win in football at a basketball school and I don't think anybody has any bones about saying that Kentucky is a basketball school um I think people want to get behind that right and he has done awesome awesome things for Big Blue Nation from a football perspective so that's great but again who number one on that defense are you going? Whew, man, they're gonna shut us down. <clears throat> nope. Uh, nobody. Yeah, nobody. So that piece of it doesn't bother me. And the other part is, I mean, I, I'm gonna keep coming back to this unless it's Alabama or somebody of that nature. I feel real good about this defense, brother. Like, yeah, willing to put a couple house payments on them, feel good about them. Okay, like studs they are going to be absolute studs and it's going to take them getting blown out for me not to think that i'm just telling you that right now y'all gonna hear it from me every week studs absolute studs so yeah i'm fired up man like i so that 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 kentucky game that doesn't doesn't seem like a trap game to me and then they go by week before the real biggin yeah which Every year, it's this is the SEC East Championship game. Well, yep. Let's be honest; it, it is what it is. This is the one that decides it every season, regardless of how good or how bad either one of these teams are. It always comes down to this game. The last, you know, three plus years, it just is what it is. I mean, you know, a, even the year that Georgia went eight and five, if they beat Florida that year, they have a shot. And go into the SEC championship. It's just since Kirby's been there, this is it. Comes down to this game. So, I, Florida. I mean, we've talked about this off air so much. I, I can't get behind a team coach by Dan Mullen. I just can't. I nope. There's there's nothing. You know, he's like he's a quarterback guru. Blah 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 blah. And I'm just like, really? Is he though? Like, what is what has he done since Tim Tebow? That makes him a quarterback guru. And everybody's like, oh, look at Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott in college had a stretch of six really good games. Before that, before that season, no one mentions this. Everyone forgets it. There was talk of moving Dak Prescott to tight end in spring ball. Oh, he's got a good tight end body. Everyone just glosses over that. That That was a Dan Mullen coach team. Yes, he led Mississippi State, a team of a bunch of nobodies, to the number one ranked team in the country before they got the before they got beat by Bama. Okay, great. Does that make him a quarterback guru? And I mean, 
I, you know, he didn't do anything for Felipe Franks. Felipe Franks is, you know, always stuck in mud. And Kyle Trask had a good year last year. I'm not going to say he didn't have a good year last year, but he also was starting Felipe Franks over Kyle Trask for a reason. You know what, you know what I imagine? Honest. You know what I imagine about Coach Mullen? I imagine Coach Mullen comes into office every morning, closes the door, looks at the back of the door, plastered all over the back of the door is a life-size cutout, a Dak Prescott in a Campbell's Chunky Soup outfit. <laughs> he just goes, that's that's my man right there. Quarterback guru. I got my man, a Campbell's Chunky Soup sponsorship. <laughs> I just, I don't. And I, I want to preface this also. I... It just, I don't understand the Dak Prescott love and, you know, watching him in the NFL as well. Like, it's just, he's a good quarterback. He is good, but he's not as great as everyone tries to make him out to be. Hey, now, and, and hey, full disclosure, y'all. And he I'm a Cowboy tell, fan. He, he's going to tell you that he's not. This this man is a dyed-in-the-wool Cowboys fan. Since, since, since we've been knee-high on grasshoppers, this man has been rooting for the Cowboys. So he's giving you a very honest evaluation of our boy Dak. <laughs> yeah, not just – I don't understand the love affair with him. His best season was his rookie season. Perfect storm, great offensive line, good defense, great running game. You take Zeke away the second season, it just all kind of fell apart when Zeke got suspended. And the offensive line and Tyron Smith got hurt. It's just, he needs a perfect storm. Now in college, he didn't have that. Obviously he had that great stretch of six games. It was a great stretch of six games. I get it. But it's just ever since then, it's like Dan Mullen's living off those six games since then. And I just, sorry, this is my soapbox. I'm going to stop now, but Hold I just, on. Florida Hold doesn't on. scare me. Have we, have we talked about this? Did I tell you when I stopped being scared of Dan Mullen in Florida or like having any kind of inklings that Kirby was going to mop the floor with them? Have we talked about this? I don't, did, did you did you watch did you watch the twenty four seven college football last year? I did. did? Oh, yeah, you told told me though. All I right. did not watch. So it. for all the listeners who didn't watch it, I mean, go watch it because look, everybody needs content right now. And HBO did this twenty four seven. It was four individual weeks with four different college programs, and it was done just like Hard Knocks. So they did Florida, um, Arizona State with Herm, Wazoo with Mike Leach, and. Pop, 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 pop. Who was the fourth one? Mm. Oh, it was James Franklin at Penn State. Um, like James Franklin, by the way. I, I like the whole dynamic at Penn State, but that's an aside. That entire week that it was the, the Florida week, like the one-hour episode, all I could think was, this dude is the biggest dweeb on planet Earth. If this is who our man Kirby is recruiting against, he coffee is for closers all day, baby. And Dan Mullen ain't drinking no coffee. I'm just saying it like that. Okay. He's over there drinking his chocolate milk with a straw. All right. I mean, th- that is Dan Mullen. Uh, just absolute dweeb. And so, no, he don't make me nervous. Like that guy ain't winning no national championship. I'm saying that right now. It ain't happening. It's just not. Sorry about you, Gainesville. He ain't the one that's going to take you to the promised land. All right. Urban Meyer, he, he'll scare the pants right off of you. All right. That's just honest fact, man. I don't want to play him no more. Y'all, y'all keep him in the studio booth. You just stay on in the booth, my man. I don't want to see you no more. Dan Mullen, I hope he stays there 20 years, brother. Kirby going to be 20 and 0. And let's also be honest. Grantham doesn't scare me at all. Like, we, we live through that. Hell through no. That. Yeah, hell no. <laughs> he don't scare me. Uh, fun fact, you know you know who, uh, who went to high school with Coach Grantham? Or I think went with? Went with, right? Our high school coach. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I did know that. Yep. Yeah, Todd Grantham, Southwest Virginia boy. So, yeah, that's the little that's the little Essex High School shout out. Go Trojans. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So I, I think we we know how we feel about Florida. Plus, I just yeah. feel good about how that series is sitting right now. Um, and and I, let's just look at it brass tacks, right? X's and O's. The talent disparity, I still think, is in Georgia's favor. And at the end of the day, how does how does the saying go? It's not about the X's and the O's. It's about the Jimmys and the Joes. Georgia has the better Jimmys and the Joes in Florida. And I think at the end of the day, that's what it's going to come down to. So I, I fully expect them to win that game. I've seen a lot of prognostications on what UGA is going to do with the schedule and whatnot. And I've seen some people with one loss. I've seen some people with two loss. And I think the the thrust on that is that one of them is going to be Bama and then the other one is possibly Florida. The Bama one, look, man, I think that's a coin flip. Um, I think there's a lot of ghosts there they need to get over. And I think that's the big thing for that Bama game. I, dude, I think that game is bigger almost from a mental standpoint than it is from a wins and losses standpoint. You know, I – at the end of the day, if they lose that game, they can still go to Atlanta, still win in Atlanta, and they're going to the college football playoff, right? So, like, that game from that perspective is by no means an end-all, be-all. But I just think from a mental hurdle perspective, they've got to win that game. Like, if there is a must-win game for this program, for me, it's week four in Tuscaloosa. I, I just think they have got to get over the hump with Bama, get rid of all this. None of Saban's assistants have ever beat him. Georgia can't beat Alabama, all this all this junk. They need to get past it. And I think it's just as much for the fan base as it is for the team itself because um, there's just such a defeatist attitude, I feel like, when it comes to like being an elite program. And by all other accounts, homie, they are elite. And so I just think that's a really, really big one. And I think if you put those two on a scale, did that Florida game – it's not even close, right? Like I know rivalry wise, it's huge. And we all want to just, you know, stomp a mud hole in Florida's rear end and, and walk it dry. But I'm just saying on an actual apples to apples comparison, that Florida program from a clout perspective, present day, I'm not saying in the past, I'm saying present day is not where Alabama is and where Georgia is close to being. I mean, does that, do you think I'm off base on that? Or do you think there's some, some credibility to that? No, I feel like that the the last three years that the Florida Georgia rivalry has felt uh, to bring it back to the NFL a little bit has felt really feels a lot like how the Dallas to the Washington rivalry has turned into over the last I don't know twenty years or so. It means so much to more to one fan base than it does to the other like it does it still means something to the dallas fan base but it means exponentially more to the washington fan base and i feel like that's how the georgia florida rivalry is right now for georgia florida like i feel like georgia's concerned with national championships florida's concerned with going to the sec championship game and i feel like that that's i feel like that's the disconnect it's a it's been a big role reversal right because i think for the majority the majority of you know the 2000s and and the 2010s it's been florida that the expectation was we're going to go to atlanta are we going to win a national championship and that shifted now and that's that's the mindset for georgia and the expectation for georgia and then it's the it's 
the alternative for Florida. They're going, man, we've got to get past Georgia just to get back to Atlanta. And even if we get to Atlanta, we ain't beating Alabama or we ain't beating LSU. You know, I think it's one of those things. I don't even think, I think that would be them winning the East and that's a very successful season. And maybe they go to a a New Year's Day bowl or whatever, but I don't think the the realistic expectation is that they're a national title contender. Um, And look, that, that could all be, proven wrong this year right they could they could throw all that to the wind but again i'm just going to go back to the dan mullen biggest dweeb on the planet it it ain't happening folks i'm just telling you they ain't winning a national title it's just it ain't happening um all right so they get through the cocktail party they got to go to columbia and play mizzou um yeah uh that that is that you want to talk about a letdown game you're gonna be coming off this big juice high Playing the cocktail party, you got to go to Columbia, game, which which is a which is eleven there. Probably going to be a noon kick. Yeah, hate that. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, first your head coach. So and let's be realistic. Feel good about Mizzou that, may and Mizzou's coming off a bye. Mizzou may only have one win at that point, and but again, it's same thing. Talent should win out there. Like who does? Who does Mizzou correct have? I, I couldn't even I couldn't even tell you who's still on that team, to be honest. I uh, I'll tell you the one that's interesting to me was when they announced that November twenty first tilt yeah. against Zip Zip State between the hedges. Mike Leach, Mike Leach coming coming back to Athens, coming back to Georgia, you know. Obviously Seth Emerson's done some awesome pieces on the the lineage of Valdosta State and you know Leach's connections there and then the coaching tree. Uh, not just at Georgia, but in the SEC, you know, whether it be Coach Smart or um, Coach Muschamp and all those things. So I think that that's some cool stuff there. Uh, also going to be interesting to see how things go with with Coach Leach and KJ Costello year one, see if KJ Costello is able to, to work that offense. That was a very interesting piece of that 24-7 um, series as well because you get an hour of Mike Leach being Mike Leach, but also – you get an hour of Mike Leach in the quarterback room talking about his offense and his quarterbacks talking about his offense. Found it really, really interesting. If you're like a football junkie and kind of nerd out on stuff like that, it's worth a watch just for that because you kind of get an insight into why his offenses, school independent, have been so successful because those quarterbacks almost to a man just talked about, look, he's he's allowing us to make the easiest decisions possible. So He's essentially scheming it so we have to work really hard to screw up. Um, and, they, they, you know, I think the how he is portrayed, right, is he's this offensive mad scientist. I mean, that's what you kind of think about, right? Like he's the kooky stuff with Key West and the Pirates and all this kind of stuff. And he is. I mean, he's a nut. I mean, he's awesome. But he's a nut. And really, though, his genius is in his simplicity. Like they show him at practice and you're expecting him to say, well, why didn't you see the robber come down? And why didn't you, you know, check this and do that? And he's like, he was open. <laughs> like that's what he said. Why didn't you throw to him? He was open. And they're like, that's how he is. He's just, he, he, he breaks it down to the point where you feel empowered to just use your talent as opposed to getting lost in all this mental mechanics. And so I thought that was interesting. And so I'll be, I'll be, you know, I, I just think they're going to be a compelling storyline. And how electric is that Egg Bowl matchup going to be? Oh I mean, who cares about the game? Yeah. The press conferences, they should put them on pay-per-view. Like, they should have him and Lane on a split screen the whole week, just ripping back and forth. It's a shame we didn't get media days this year. Those two together, oh, my God, would have been just electric. must-see TV. Must-see TV. Yeah, abs- 
absolute electric factory, those two. I mean, it, it would have been incredible. Um, so, yeah, I think that'll be a fun game. And then we lead into Thanksgiving week, and dogs go to Cola to play South Carolina. That's that's one, and maybe it's just recent history, but, hey, man, you know, got to go on the road to Cola. Who knows what the fan situation is going to be by then. You know, maybe things start to get better, we hope, and there's more fans there. Bryce Williams ain't the best place to play. Well, I mean, let's let's be honest. It's what's gonna what it's gonna come down to this game. If Champ's still there, Champ's coaching for his job again against Georgia. How many yeah. times is Georgia gonna save this man's job at how many places? <laughs> I mean, that's it, that's really what it's gonna boil down to, in my opinion. It's you know, I their their schedule. I mean, well, hey, what what, what was the, what was the kid's name from? What was the kid's name from last year? Muk- Mukamara? Yeah, Mukamara. Real real rangy corner yeah, yeah, the three picks? Yeah. yeah. I mean, is he going to have three picks again? I think that's the question, right? If he doesn't have three picks, they lose last year as bad as Georgia played. So, yeah. I, I see I, – I look – just quick look at their schedule. Just talent-wise, before they play Georgia, three wins, maybe four. So I'm not even sure beating Georgia is going to save his job. I mean, they're just – their defensive line is extremely talented. They got a lot of high four, and I think they got two five-stars on there. So, I mean, their their defensive line is extremely talented, and he's a hell of a defensive coach. But, I mean, their offense eh, – I mean, Bobo's a great offensive coordinator, but, eh, I mean, you got to have players too. So they got some good, they got some good running backs. Come on, come on this ride with me real quick. All right, we're we're gonna get we're gonna get in the dark dark brown Delorean. We're talking okay. we're talking plutonium Delorean from uh, or not plutonium. We're, we're talking a uh, uh, aluminum cans, um, uh, banana peels, banana peels, <laughs> um, anything anything from your trash can Delorean from Back to the Future Two. Okay. Uh, we're hopping the Delorean and we're going to 2021 Fall Athens. Uh, Muschamp has been canned at South Carolina. His son is on the roster at University of Georgia. Dan Lanning has just been hired uh, to be the head coach at um, Name Your School USA after another monster year by his defense and because he's an absolutely electric football mind, super young, awesome on the recruiting trail. Seems like there's a nice little transition point for uh, Will Muschamp to slide right into Best Bud Kirby's staff and uh, make his home in Athens again. Yeah. I'm just saying. That's what I'm seeing in the DeLorean. I don't think it happens, though. I don't think it happens, though. You know what I think happens? Where do you think he's going to go? You think he's going to take a year off? I think Schumann, gonna... I, think, I think if Lanning takes a job, which realistically, if that's happening, that's happening. I, yeah. I think Schumann slides right into the DC role. I mean, which I'll hate to see it. I love Coach Lanning. You have got to find this if you have not seen this. I don't know if it was from like January, or February, or maybe it was from the year before. Kirby and Lanning went to like this. Nike coaches camp in Atlanta or something. And dude, there is a one hour YouTube video of Kirby and Lanning doing film breakdown for Georgia high school football coaches. 30 minutes in, I I was, I was was about to put the pads on brother. Like I was about (laughs) to start doing Oklahoma drills with my drywall. Like I was ready to go ready all 160 pounds. And we was ready to just knock, knock somebody out. So, dude, I was watching. I was going, there's no way he's not going to be a head coach within five years. And, I mean, they're going to have to keep paying him to keep him there, yeah. which just makes you sad, right? You just got to hope. He's kind of like Kirby was with 
uh, with Nick, Nick, where he's like, I'm not going to have a better gig than this. So I'm going to wait till my dream head gig and I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to keep counting. I'm just going to keep cashing these big old checks that Greg McGarity wants to write me. And I'm going to live the dream in Athens with all this A-plus talent. We're going to win a few national championships. I mean, that's what you got to hope. Um, because after watching him, dude, if your kid doesn't want to play for that guy, I don't know what's wrong with you. He was awesome. And they were both incredible breaking down a defense. So I'm going to shoot you the link on that. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll put it in the show notes. I'm going to put it in the show notes. That's all what right. we're going to do. So all the listeners can check it out too because it is worth an hour of your time for sure, especially in this time we're missing all this football. Um, all right. I know I got you all frazzled with the DeLorean. I know you're about to go watch the trilogy. You're about to go watch the trilogy tonight. I can just feel it. Yep. All right. So I got to tell you a little side note story on that. We're going to go a little pop culture uh, tangent here. So you know your boy loves Back to the Future. I mean – Big big time fan of Dr. Emmett Brown and Marty McFly. So my kid watches them with me. So my kids have watched all of them. So like we'll be watching something on TV and my daughter will be like, that guy kind of looks like Biff. And, you know, my my Grinchy heart just swells to like the size of the state of Georgia with with pride. But anyways, so dude, we're watching Dennis the Menace the other night because our our youngest son has like super super blonde hair and he's just an absolute terror and so all the women at the daycare call him dennis the menace because he's just an absolute zoo and so the kids have really picked up on that because now he's starting to like terrorize their lives and mess up all their stuff which i find hysterical so we watch the movie dennis the menace and they're like oh dad like deacon the deacon's dennis like we should start calling it deacon the menace so anyways dude leah thompson and dennis the menace christopher lloyd and dennis the menace so leah thompson enter screen right my son goes hey that's Marty's mom. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, it is. son. Yes, it is. And one day when you're older, I'm going to let you watch a movie called red Dawn that Marty's mom is in. That is also awesome. (laughs) So then like 10 minutes later, Christopher Lloyd's the, the grifter off the train. He comes in the yard and my son goes, well, hello, Dr. Brown. (laughs) I tell my wife, I'm good, man. I've I've served my purpose. I'm just I'm just putting movie aficionados out into the world, brother. I'm living I'm living my best life. A plus. Yeah, that is a so yeah. All right, that's that's enough of that. But I just had to tell you that because I knew you would appreciate that. So, um, all right, final game of the season, the reverse of last season. Open the season with Vandy last year, closing the season with Vandy this year between the hedges on the traditional SEC championship date, first weekend in December. I mean. Look, that's a that's that's a W. I think that's really all we need to say about that. I mean, Do we need to flesh that out? Jason, he'll probably be fired by that point. I mean, I feel like that's a let's rest everybody and get ready for next weekend in Atlanta. Or I guess it's is two it weeks. two weekends later? Yeah. Well, they they gave the the um the twelfth in case any games have to be postponed. As oh, make, get postponed. As yeah, yeah. Up. Okay. Well, so look, hopefully that's not the case, and Georgia essentially has two bye weeks going into the SEC title game. Which, I mean, that's a perfect case scenario. Which more you than likely, else, probably Bama. So. You know what else I love about how the schedule sets up with the, with the pushback? So SEC title December 19th would normally be December 5. So first playoff game is going to be New Year's Day, right? Because Rose Bowl's in it and so is the Sugar for the semis. So I think the Sugar's the semis anyways. But I know the Rose Bowl is, so yeah, I know they're playing New Year's Day. So, dude, instead of like the normal 28-day layoff – 
if you're playing in the CFP, you're going in two weeks. No, not even that really. Yeah, no, not even 10, day, 10 days or 12 days. I mean, I think to speak to our point earlier from a rhythm perspective, from a let's keep, let's keep things rolling. No, love that, man. I mean, it, it could really shake out in a good way. Let me share a tweet with you that I saw this week. It hurt, hurt my heart in the worst way. It said in so many ways, this seems like George's year to win the national title which means the season's probably going to get canceled. <laughs> and I went, oh, I didn't need all that negativity right now. I didn't need all that. But, hey, look, if, if you want to live in the beauty of the Jefferson Pilot Sports lineup tweet, you got to take that negativeness too, I guess. And that Jefferson Pilot Sports tweet was a beauty. Yes, yes it was. Um, all right, so that about covers the schedule, I think. You and I both feel pretty good about it, and feel like the talent on that roster is gonna gonna weigh its way out. Give me a give me a record prediction there, boss. I I got nine and one going to the SEC title game. I mean, I I don't know where. I mean, the obvious trip up is Bama, and it's I if I got it honestly, if we're gonna play Bama twice, I'd rather lose in the regular season than win the SEC title game. I mean, which yeah. realistically probably means we play them three times. So, uh, you know, I mean, but I don't want to, if I got to, I don't want it to be one of those situations where we win in the regular season, lose the SEC title game, don't make the playoffs for some stupid yeah. reason. I don't want yeah. that to happen. I'd rather be guaranteed the playoff spot. So, you know, I nine and one, I, I'm not saying that I see everybody be like, I don't see a. I don't see a 10-0 schedule here for anybody, though. Like, Bama's going to trip up somewhere. Everyone's going to have a loss on the schedule. You know, I just – I don't see a 10-0 schedule going to the SEC unscathed with 10 games. I just don't. I'm making my prediction on the faulty premise that nobody is going to be out for three weeks because of a COVID diagnosis, which realistically is probably going to happen, right? And that's something everybody's going to have to deal with. But – like I said, I'm gonna live. I'm gonna live under the faulty premise that it's not that it's gonna be like a normal year, and we're just gonna deal with normal type injuries, and that's it. Um, homie, I think they're going ten and zero. I think they're winning. I don't think they're losing all year. I think that if Jamie Newman can stay healthy, and if the defense does what it is built to do, bearing nobody on that schedule, that's gonna beat them. I feel that way in my core, and um, yeah. I, I do feel like it's their year. I feel like this is the roster that Kirby has been building towards since he got there. And I think they're primed, man. I, you know, non-traditional offseason, so I hate that part of it. But everybody had a non-traditional offseason. And all of the language coming out of the camp, all of the stuff Kirby's saying, you really got to delve into what he says and figure out what he's really trying to say. And all I've heard so far from him is that he loves the leadership group and he thinks the talent on this roster is deep. And if he feels those two things, homie, I'm all in. They, they're winning it all. That's what that's where I'm at with it. Because if he's saying those things in a not-so-veiled way, it means he feels good about it too. And the more confident he is, the more confident they're going to be. So, hey, man, I'm damn sure going to be confident too then. So, I mean, that, that's where I'm at with it. I think if they end up losing one, you're right. It's going to be the Bama game. I don't think there's anybody else in the schedule that, that nips them. But I, I think, you know, obviously 
like I said earlier, that's a mental hurdle for them. And I think we will know a lot about them after October 17th, one way or the other. Um, so yeah, I, I will say this brother, I'm just in the best mood that we're actually just spent an hour and six minutes talking about all dogs football. Like yeah. it, it kind of feels like it's going to happen, brother. Like, and I know everybody is trying to if, and, and why this thing into not happen, but homie, I'm living in the light today. I'm living in the, this thing is going to happen and we are going to be watching football on Saturdays in like what? Six weeks. Yep. I, yeah, I mean, look on yeah. the positive side. I mean, the last six months have been freaking miserable. Let, let's, let's enjoy something for a little bit. I mean, you know, that like when I was talking about like the last podcast when, you know, I'm not a baseball fan, but baseball's back. I, it's sports. I, I don't care what it is, you know? Um, oh, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I brought this up last podcast or not, but I don't think so. But there was a, there was a tweet and I know you're not a hockey fan, but it, it made me think about, you know, all the negative, you know, stuff that's going on with, with this. But it was like one of the first playoff games that went um, first hockey playoff games went into five overtimes. And people, people were complaining about it. Ooh. And people, and one of the guys that um, I follow on Twitter is like, "All you people complaining about this um, game lasting too long and it being one o'clock in the morning? Why are you complaining? We were just watching competitive cornhole. Yeah, like um, two months ago. Shut up! It's like, come on. It's like, yeah. It's just enjoy it. You know, yeah. let's let's enjoy the schedule. Let's enjoy talking about it. Let's let's enjoy the anticipation of a season. And let's let's deal with if it doesn't happen, let's deal with the fallout then. But let's for right now, yeah. let's enjoy the excitement. Fall camp just started yesterday, guys. I mean, there's there's positives. Yes. They released there's there's pictures out, there's videos. It's awesome, man. It like feels like we're kinda I don't know, something feels a little bit good, man. Like, look, twenty twenty's been a little bit of a bummer, but this is good news. I'm with you, brother. Let's celebrate it, man. Let's live in it while we can live in it. If it doesn't happen, so what? Let's trumpet it. Let's trumpet it all over the place for right now, man. Everybody enjoy it and smile and talk dogs, you know, talk about something that makes you feel good. So yeah, man, I'm here for it. I mean, obviously that's why we do this, right? Like we love it and brings us joy and hopefully it brings all y'all joy too. So anyways, as y'all can tell me and boss are fired up and you know, we hope y'all are fired up too. So, uh, yeah, I think I think that's good for this week. You want to? We'll shout next week and talk a little fall camp, and we talk more about injuries and some of that other stuff. But um, you know, man, we're just we're just pumped up and excited about this schedule. So, hey, thanks for hanging out with us, and we're looking forward to hopefully having a heck of a fall two twenty and early winter twenty twenty uh, ride with y'all uh, following the dogs. So, go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.